How you doing? Yeah, seriously, how are you doing? Um, I uh, just enjoyed some, some time away, some refreshment, and uh, it is good uh, to get away. It is good to rest uh, because we get tired, don't we? And we get rattled by the battle that is life. Things uh, get tough and you need to get away. But you also need to come back and be with family. And if you can't, uh, if you don't have family or you don't have a church family, the Bible is going to teach us this morning that you are missing a key ingredient in following Jesus. So I ask how you're doing this morning because I read a study uh, this week that was done by Cigna Health Insurance Company, a survey of 20,000 people in which the Cigna Health Insurance Company found that 56% of people reported that they are lonely, that they lack companionship, that their relationships are not meaningful, or they often sense uh, feelings of isolation. And the conclusion of this Cigna study was that most Americans are considered lonely. It's a truism that we have never been more connected and yet more lonely. And one of the first warnings of the scripture that God gives in Genesis is that it's not good for man to be alone. And he's not just speaking there about marriage, he's speaking there about our need for relationship. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles, if you have them, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and we will get there in a minute. But I want to back up and remind you of where we've been and where we're going and why we're talking about this today. Our theme... Uh, for 2018 has been this one word, this idea of dwell. And we've been journeying through Acts most of the year, and we're taking a break out of Acts for the summertime to uh, back up and to consider this word dwell in a little bit different context. What does dwell mean? Well, a dictionary definition of dwell means uh, to live or stay as a permanent resident. To live or stay as a permanent resident, to linger or emphasize or ponder. As Christians, uh, we need to dwell upon God. And one of the great promises that we've been learning through the book of Acts is that God actually wants to dwell with us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life as we believe in Christ to indwell us to live within us, to empower us. And two weeks ago, as we began this series, Sean Huang kicked it off by by tracing through Scripture this constant theme through the Bible that God himself wants to dwell with his people. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. And and last week, Dan uh, preached in my absence, did this uh, amazing job through Psalm 77 of, of showing us how we need to dwell upon God, that we tend to dwell upon what? The circumstances, the problems, the the difficulties. And if you look at Psalm 77, his eyes go from downward to upward to out to his God and back to look back to see God's faithfulness. Not only does God want to dwell in us, not only does God want to dwell with us, not only does the Holy Spirit dwell within us, but there's some things that we're commanded to do throughout Scripture, and we just think they're fundamentals of following Christ that we have to dwell in. One of those being worship. 
which was the point of last week's message, Psalm 77, that we are to dwell in worship. And today we talk about this idea of dwelling in community. Our mission statement at Centennial Church says this, we, we exist to center lives upon Jesus Christ. And there's four primary non-negotiables that we've identified that we just have to have in our lives to be able to center lives on Jesus Christ. And that's genuine community, authentic worship, biblical teaching, and holistic mission. Those are just the the pillars, the non-negotiable. So through this short summer series, what we're going to do is take each one of those and kind of trace it in the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to tell us. And this morning, we want to focus our our thoughts, focus uh, our minds upon this idea of community and dwelling with one another to be encouraged and to not be like 56% of Americans who are lonely. So I ask you this morning, how's your community? Are you, are you lonely? Because the statistics would say that even in our congregation here this morning, half of us don't feel connected. And it shouldn't be, particularly in God's family, in God's church. We are to be a community and a, a family that is an alternative to the world uh, that is broken and torn apart or just kind of uh, brought together by economic basis or common interest, things like that. This is not just a medical uh, issue. This is not just a psychological issue, but it's a spiritual issue because in our passage today, I told you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look really at, at two verses. Hebrews 3, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And we see in Hebrews chapter 3 that this is not just a medical, psychological issue, but it's a spiritual issue too, because there is a warning here in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, those two verses, read along with me. This will be on the screen as well, but Hebrews three twelve, it starts like this. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me read that one more time, okay? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The passage begins with a warning, and this warning is that we could fall away. We're prone to wonder, as the, the, the song we sang just earlier says, we're prone to wonder, we're prone to leave our God. We have hearts that drift, not towards faith, but towards unbelief. And so this passage here uh, twice is warning us, uh, lest we have an unbelieving heart and fall away, or there at the end of the passage in uh, verse 13, that we be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And if there's a warning there, it's a possibility that this could happen to us. We could grow hard towards God. We could fall away from God. It's a real possibility that the author of Hebrews warns his readers about throughout this letter of Hebrews. It could happen. Be warned. In our uh, Bible study on Friday morning, we prayed for our friend who's right back here, uh, Michael Daly, who's been having some heart issues. Went and got himself jump-started a little bit, had an AFib, and now things the ticker is not ticking in, in regularity again. So we told him, we can jump-start you after the Bible study if you'd like to. 
he didn't take us up on our offer. A heart issue, but the, the Bible would say all of us have a heart issue, and it's a spiritual heart issue that we can drift. And the, the prescription, the, what the doctor has ordered is this idea of community and exhorting one another, being in one another's lives as, as, as people to push one another on towards love and good deeds. And notice it's intentional. He says there in verse 12, take care. Some of your translations may say, take heed. Be intentional about this. Think about it. And we're going to focus this morning just on the five words of these middle two verses, just the five words of the middle part of these two verses. Exhort one another every day. Exhort one another every day. See, if if following Jesus is going to be our highest priority, then one of our other high priorities is, is going to have to be gathering with God's people who are also following Jesus. If our highest priority is following Jesus, then one of our other highest priorities is going to be gathering with God's people who are also trying to follow Jesus. Lest we become hardened, lest we fall away, which is a possibility for us. So what's the prescription? The prescription, as I said right there, is to exhort one another every day. Uh, he, he uses this word exhort that I want us to look at uh, uh, quickly here. And if you write in your Bibles, I might encourage you just to put a square, just draw a box around that word exhort. Dictionary.com definition of exhort here. I think this is on the screen. To urge, advise, or caution earnestly. To admonish urgently. We might need to look up the word admonish, I suppose, after that. But to urge, to advise, to caution earnestly. Uh, if we look at the New Testament use of this word, as I looked at this word this week, that really kind of has three aspects, the way it's used uh, throughout the, the New Testament. The first kind of aspect is, is exhort means to ask or summon. To ask or summon. We get this idea, and it's a strong summons. Uh, it's used this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, Brothers, I urge you, therefore, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's exhorting. There it's the same word, parakaleo. Parakaleo, I urge you, I summon you, I beg you, perhaps, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the way it's used in Romans, the idea of asking, summoning. summoning. Uh, A second kind of usage is uh, to encourage. And we see this uh, use where they translate the same word encourage, parakaleo translated encouraged. It says encourage if you have an NIV in Hebrews 12, 13. Uh, Acts 14, 22, it says that Paul and Barnabas go around and they encourage the churches that they've established. They're encouraging them, but it also has this idea uh, not just of strength and urging, but it also has this idea of comforting. And it's used this way in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 as he's he's talking uh, to the people there about grieving their loved ones. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says this, "Uh, You will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, Therefore, encourage one another, or excuse me, comfort one another with these words. Some translations translate it encourage, other translations uh, render it comfort. Summoning, encouraging, 
comforting one another. Hebrews will make this emphasis again on encouraging one another. If you flip with me over to chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, great verses here to commit to memory perhaps. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't neglect meeting together, but stir one another up, encourage one another, provoke one another, as the way one translation says. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Dads, happy Father's Day. Here's your uh, Father's Day verse, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Here's, here's the idea uh, there. Let me find it. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted you, each one of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. What are, what's he doing here? The metaphor of fathers is, is one who exhorts his children, who not only exhorts them, but encourages them and charges them to walk in a manner worthy of the family or worthy of the name right? Stirring one another up, summoning one another, comforting one another when there's tough times. And I came back from vacation enough and, and realized that not everyone had vacated. And not all the problems had gone away for everyone, that there's still marriages that are strained. There's still people that are in the hospital. There's still financial burdens. There's still relational turmoil. Vacation is a temporary retreat from the battle that is life that constantly happens. And there are people among us and there are people in the hospital or just out of the hospital uh, this morning that need our comfort, that need our encouragement. And we have this opportunity as the body of Christ, not only to, to have a new authority, the scriptures, not only to have a, a new uh, thing to worship, the one true and living God, but we also have this opportunity to have new, qualitatively better and deeper and more connected relationships than we've had before Christ. But it takes meeting together. And notice the frequency here of the prescription. The, if the prescription is exhort one another, what is the frequency of the prescription? Every day. Again, if you, if you write in your Bibles, I encourage you to circle those two words, every day. He says, exhort one another every day. I, I appreciate, it was Bob Cox who brought this passage to my attention a few months ago, and I've been dwelling on it since then. The idea that you and I, if, if, if again, if we need to be exhorted every day, what does that mean? That means that life is tough every day. But how can we exhort one another every day if we only see each other once a week? The ebb and flow of the early church was to be deeply committed in one another's lives. And we looked at this. I just have to flip us there again as we talk about this idea. Flick back with me to Acts chapter 2 where we get this snapshot. And we can romanticize the early church. It's true. But if you look back in chapter 2 verses 40 
2 through 47. Listen to the description. This is not on the screen, so flip with me if you want or just listen. But listen to how they did life together in that first church. Uh, Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayers. They were devoted to the fellowship. Not just dabbling, but devoted. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. And get this, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as any had need. And verse 46, look at this. And day by day, what does that mean? Every day. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were meeting in the temple. They were meeting in each other's homes. What does that look like? That means like we've got big church and we've got small groups, right? And they're daily meeting with one another. So the application today is we're going we're to start meeting every day for church, okay? You ready for it? You all signed up? You came on the right Sunday to sign up for this. How can we exhort one another? How can we encourage and comfort one another if we're not meeting regularly? Verse 47, uh, glad, verse 46, received their food. They're eating in each other's homes. A, a, a lot of our relationships are built around food, are they not? Let's eat together with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number, what? Day by day, those who were being saved. Now, how do we go from that description of church to today where when we ask each other, where do you attend church? Where do you attend church? Where are you a part of the family? This nothing in chapter two, verses 42 through 47 said, and I attended church in Jerusalem. No, I shared my life. I opened my home. I sacrificed for those who were in need that were a part of my family, that we had this thing in unity together, this commonality, which was Jesus. And the world thought we were crazy in the first century. Fast forward a couple thousand years, and the world thinks we're crazy. And the only way we're going to be minorities, and the only way we're going to keep our fire is to stay together and meet together regularly, encouraging one another because we need it every day. So let me give you a quiz. Some of you like Jeopardy. You play Jeopardy. I'm going to give you the answer and you give me the question, okay? The answer is 1.7. Now you tell me the answer, Diana. Okay. I should have expected that. 1.7. That, if that's the answer, what's the question? The question, would it be... Uh, that is, what is a really good interest on my savings account at the bank? 1.7? Wrong. Uh, a possible question would be, what is the average uh, rate of children in Frisco or in America? 1.7 children, right? I think in Frisco, it's probably more like 2.5 or 3. Incorrect. 1.7, what is a really great ERA for a college baseball pitcher in the World Series? I mean, this... That would be something to shoot for. No, none of that. You know what 1.7? If you walk away from anything today and you don't remember anything else, I'd like you to remember this haunting statistic that's been haunting me, is that 1.7 is the average number of times church-going people in Frisco and Collin County typically attend church. 1.7 per month. Sorry, I'm left, I, left, I left off that vital part of the statistics. 
1.7 every day. 1.7 times per month. Now, I got these statistics from two churches that meet with some pastors' fellowship together and uh, two larger churches, and I told them, I'm sure. I'm sure that our smaller church is much better than that. But still, I'm not so sure it is. 1.7 times a month. In Collin County, right here in churches that are our neighbors, we're busy people. We're busy people. How many of you could get away with going to work 25% of the time? How many of you could get away with uh, getting your kids to t-ball practice 50% of the time? And yet we can treat our church family, we can treat gathering together to encourage one another 1.7 times per month. Let it not be. We need to gather. We need to sing to one another. We need our minds recalibrated through worship. We need the encouragement of brothers and sisters who say, hang in there. You can make it. I know it's hard. Otherwise, if, 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 if 1.7 and our hearts are being hardened, we are on the road to falling away from a living God. Now, is this just a preacher up here harping to get people to go to church? It's, folks, this is the DNA. Sure, yeah, that too. But this is the, a key ingredient that they met one another day by day, that they were in one another's lives. There's, there's some times that I'm tempted to uh, skip Bible study because on Friday mornings I could just get started earlier finishing the sermon on Fridays. I could get to the office at 6.30 and then be done a little earlier. But I'm, all, I'm always reminded that after that Bible study, after that, after that time of prayer with those men, after that time around God's word, that, I, that I'm encouraged, that I've been exhorted. Don't you need that too? The application this morning is to get in a group. To get in a group, to share life, to invite people over in, in, into your homes. And look, not only is the, not only is the frequency every day, not only is the, the frequency every day, but there's also something I want you to notice in these verse, verses is look who is both the patient and the doctor. In verse 13, but exhort one another. Who's doing the exhorting? Everyone, one another. Who's being exhorted? One another. This is not the pastor or the worship leader up front exhorting people 1.7 times a month. This is, this is not just the small group leader exhorting people. This is, this is us exhorting one another. Our need for encouragement does not exempt us from personal responsibility to exhort and to encourage others. So the prescription is exhort. The frequency is every day. Circle it and underline maybe two times one another. It's mutual. You need it and other people need it from you. And it is a non-negotiable to stay on fire for the Lord, to walk faithfully with Him. Anybody else like bananas as much as I do? You pull those bananas off of the bunch and what happens? It starts browning. It starts getting more and more ripe quickly, doesn't it? 
when it's torn away from the bunch. We're like rotten old bananas. And if we get away from encouragement, if we get away from one another, we go bad. So here's the one simple takeaway I want to leave us with this morning. Get in a group. And if you're not in a group, really be, if you're already in the group, I mean, be in the group. Be committed to the group. And when you show up, be ready to somehow listen, to somehow encourage, to somehow exhort as a part of that group. We have community groups that meet regularly throughout the week as a part of the ministry of Centennial Church. You can find out more on our website. There's going to be some people out of the, the Connection Center as we dismiss here if you have not yet uh, visited or tried out a community group. In addition to community groups, we have Adult Bible Fellowship. That's a group that meets every Sunday morning before our worship. They study the Bible and they encourage one another. In addition to Adult Bible Fellowship and our community groups, we have men's Bible studies, two offerings of men's Bible studies every week. And we also, our ladies meet about three times, three semesters throughout the year. They're, start, they're starting their new study next week, next Tuesday night. And the way it, as I counted it up on our calendar as, as a smaller church in Frisco, we have 10 opportunities weekly for people to get in groups. Between all, of, between all of the community groups and the Bible studies and the ABF, 10 opportunities for you to get together around the Word of God and begin to make some relationships, build some chemistry to encourage one another as we walk with the Lord. And let me just take away one of the excuses. Well, I went, you know, and I just didn't really connect with anyone. In an hour and a half, go back. Try again. Try harder. Maybe someone connected with you and you need to go back and encourage them. Hey, there's one perfect small group out there. And it's the Holy Trinity. It's not Jason Anglin's group. There is one perfect small group. The rest of them have problems. Why? Because they have people in them. And wherever there are people, there are problems. Ten opportunities throughout the week to get in a group and love people and encourage them to stay faithful in the Lord. Will you do that? This church is not, church is not coming, clicking the box, you know, checking the box, and being done with your Jesus for the week. Man, we need Jesus every day, and we need one another every day to push us closer to Jesus and to not fall away. Get in a group to help you center your life on Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father God, we just confess this morning uh, that many of us are lonely. That as we listen to this message, we, uh, we resonate with that statistic because uh, the truth is nobody really knows what's going on in our hearts. Nobody really knows what we're struggling with. And we have hundreds of friends on social media, but we don't have one person that really knows the temperature of our soul. And so, God, we take this morning, this mor this morning and we ask 
that we would press in, even in the busyness of life, we would make the priority of community and encouraging one another a greater priority to be able to follow you faithfully. And Lord, I pray for the lonely hearts here this morning. I pray that you would encourage them through your word, this word of exhortation that we get weekly. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage them through their brothers and sisters that maybe they would take a step and show some vulnerability this week, that there's a hurt, that there's a worry, that there's a fear, that there's a discouragement or a depression. God, I pray that you would make Centennial Church not just a nice building along the side of the road of Coit and a very individualistic shopping center kind of area, but that you would create an alternative family, a new community where people really care for each other, where Jesus is exalted and people are loved well. And Lord, as we come to your table this morning, we pray that you would encourage our hearts as we remember the body and blood of Jesus, the price that was paid for our birth into this new family. May our hearts come forward and return to our seats and return to our world this week encouraged by your incredible love for us through Jesus. It's in his beautiful name that we pray. Amen.